Welcome everybody, this is your host, Christopher Rennie, bringing you Land Grant Holy Land's Instant Recap Podcast. And today, I'm joined by Michael Citro, uh, the grumpy old Buckeye, right? Here we go. That's I'll me. Let's get recap. Oh, how you <laughs> feeling? First, first, first thoughts, let's go. How you feel about the game, just initial takeaways as we get into the show? Uh, initial takeaways, uh, Ohio State went out and do, did what they needed to do. It was... Uh, there were a couple of drives where there were probably some things to be aggravated about, but uh, that's just us being spoiled. It was basically a dominating performance. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, at times, I think, especially in our Slack chat, we we like to vent out our frustrations a little bit, and I think sometimes the grass is greener on the outside, and you're just watching the game. You're like, you know what? The defense isn't playing bad. The offense is scoring every time they touch the ball, and Michigan State, like. Despite like some of the struggles at times, you know the pick six to start, it never really felt like that game was ever in jeopardy. And I, I, I like games like that. Yeah the the only thing that was a kind of iffy was there were there were a few times when Ohio State had really bad field position and in a third and medium, third and long situation where you felt like if they don't pick this up, they're going to get good field position. Maybe this is going to stay tight for a little longer than it should but every time that happened cj stroud made a play and and took care of it yeah and that 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 could lead us into our stats here on the recap uh in the first half cj stroud 15 and 18 285 four touchdowns and the pick six he finished the game uh 21 for 26 361 six touchdowns the only quarterback in ohio state history to have three six touchdown passing games that's a pretty insane stat uh, but the real insanity comes 11 for 11, 297, five touchdowns on passes at least 10 yards down the field. Like when you really put that into perspective, those that's when the throws start getting hard and he was perfect and all the stats came with it. Yeah, he's ridiculous. He's week in and week out. He's just phenomenal. And yes, he, he does miss some throws, but hey. He's a human being, and not every quarterback makes every throw. So I know that we we do get spoiled, and when guys are open and CJ occasionally misses an open receiver, we get a little angry, angry or aggravated or irritated. But if you look at the overall play, I mean, even the interception was probably a bad read on Egbuka's part, and – you know, you look at what he's done, and he's okay. He's thrown an interception in three straight games. We've had quarterbacks at this school that have thrown three in a game for three consecutive games. So maybe we're a little spoiled these days. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I, I was really impressed. I mean, he had some throws in some tight windows. I the one thing that I think CJ does so well is he puts the ball where receivers can continue to run with it, and that's a very underrated aspect that I think a lot of people overlook, but. How many times today did we see a Mechig Buka catch the ball in stride? Marvin Harrison Jr. catch the ball in stride. Julian Fleming's touchdown was a ball he caught in stride and just took it the rest of the way. And that those extra yards count for a lot, but they're very underrated when you're kind of watching the game, not realizing the placement of the ball. And that's where I think we were kind of missing that last week when Ohio State played Rutgers, and he got right back to doing it. And not to – take away anything from CJ Michigan state secondary is the one to do that against. 
Yeah, their secondary is not very good. Egbuka had 83 yards after the catch today. So, yeah, he's putting it on them. And, yeah, not every ball is exactly perfect. But it, a lot of times he's he's trying to deal with guys underneath that maybe you don't see in the, in the picture or um, – you know, trying to make sure that he fits a ball in before another guy gets over. So there, there are little subtle things, but I, I think he's done a fantastic job, especially, uh, you know, when the when they really needed it. There were a few times today where it was third and long, and he he just absolutely made the right the right read, the right throw, and kept the chains moving. I mean, it wasn't until what the fourth quarter till Jesse Murko appeared, or maybe late in the third quarter when the set when yeah. the second unit came in. Yep. Uh, it was like the first series with the second unit, I believe. Uh, so the offense was cooking. I think a big part of that in the first half, too, was the balance they found. So just talking about Travion Henderson, I think this was his most complete performance of this season. And he didn't have one of those big breakaway Travion Henderson type runs, but I think this was his uh, most effective game as a running back so far this year. And unfortunately, he had to leave with an injury or these stats could have got a little more or uh, it could have got a little better, but 18 carries, 117, and one touchdown at halftime. I mean, most running backs would be happy with those being game stats. So uh, I, I was I was impressed by him. I was wondering if you had the same takeaway there. Yeah, I had no problems at all with Travion's performance today. If if you're going to maybe say that, that there was a play that CJ could have done a little bit better on is maybe throw that block to, to not get Henderson killed there in the, in the At third least quarter. In the way, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he, he took a, a, he took a shot, uh, as Chris Fowler said, a shoulder to the thigh, but, uh, you don't put your helmet on your shoulder. So I think he, he might, I don't know if there's a hip pointer or something, but, uh, he looked like he could have gone back in the game if he had to. Yeah. I mean, Everyone's kind of played that game when you're kids or like when you're just messing around with your front friends where you go and punch each other and like the side of the leg or you run up and get that quick knee in and then they drop down. They're like, oh, and that's exactly what happened to Travion Henderson, uh, the dead leg, the Charlie horse, whatever you want to call it. And uh, anyone who's ever dealt with one of those knows that, you know, you probably don't want to go back into the game after that. No. And there was no reason to risk him at that point. In fact, I thought that the, Starters probably stayed in a little longer than they should have. I would. I it's pretty would, usual. Yeah, I would like to get, just for once. I would like to see uh, the the backups come in at a point where you can still work on some things. Get Kyle McCord some throws. Get some of these backup receivers some catches. At some point, you might need one of those guys, and they're just not getting the reps at game speed that they that they need. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it kind of takes us back to that time when Tate Martell was randomly in against Rutgers in the first half where he went 10 for 10 and, you know, it lives in legend to this day. Like, I know this game was kind of messy at the start, but it feels like there's been some games where that's been the case. And it's like Ryan Day, even in the third quarter, when it's still not necessarily running up to score time, has been very weary of just letting Kyle McCord go out there and let it rip a little bit. Yeah, and even there were some third downs where he could have thrown, you know, he could have justified trying to pick up a first down on third and six instead of, you know, running Dallin Hayden into 11 guys in the box. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think I, it's like hard because that's like we're definitely nitpicking complaints there. But at the same time, it's like we we need like it, it always comes back to 2014 you needed the experience and you needed the game reps. And 
you know, Kyle McCord started a game last year against Akron. We all know what Akron is, but you, you've you seen enough to say, hey, we could trust you a little bit. We could give you the reins a little bit more and let it fly a little bit. And that's where I have a little issue with it. It's like, are we going to just – if you're just going to hand it off, why don't you just let an older guy or like – you might as well keep CJ in at that point. You're not gaining anything from the second team there. You're just exactly. going to hand it off. And then the other thing, too, is that you're going to give Kyle a full quarter of doing that. I mean, Devin Brown can't come in and hand a ball off. Yeah, it just takes some snaps. It, it's, a, it's a little weird. And I, I think that's something I'd like to see Ryan Day be a little bit more flexible with moving forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, before moving to the defense, I think we, we do need to highlight the receivers a little bit. Uh just statistically, before we analyze this game a little bit more in depth, uh, I, I wrote the final stats down. I don't know if they had any catches after this. It's like when it felt like the first team was out. Marvin Harrison Jr., seven receptions, 131 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, go-go gadget arms. Uh, it's <laughs> it's miraculous sometimes what he does so effortlessly. Hey, Buka, five receptions, 143 yards, one touchdown. Fleming, four receptions, 81 yards, one touchdown. So, yeah, pick your poison, right? Yeah, they, they were they they were all balling out, and Harrison, absolutely filthy game from him. He's He started seven games, and in three of those seven, he has three touchdowns in a game, and he's already set a school career record for three touchdown games by a receiver in seven starts. Uh, that's absurd. I, I honestly didn't see that stat, but it, it it just goes to show how special of a talent he's been. And with how good he's been, it feels like he's been there much longer than seven games, like starting. Mm-hmm. And it's it just shows that he's just starting to scratch the surface on what he can be. I'd say this was probably the first game where it felt like uh, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, and Jigba – Garrett Wilson type game where it's just like, all right, third and 11, they're going to get it. And I just had that full confidence in that receiver room. And it was really fun to watch these guys. You're starting to really see the type of players each of them are. Uh, Fleming's a lot more explosive than I think I gave him credit for in his first couple starts. And then Ibuka is just such a physical presence on the football field with the ball in his hands that they all complement each other. And, they can all do everything you want a receiver to do. And that's why it's so dangerous to have this group. And like without Jackson Smith and Jigba, they're doing this. So you add, if we ever see him again, a a fourth guy of Smith and Jigba's caliber to this mix, that is not a good sign for everybody else in the big 10 and probably the country. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Jackson Smith and Jigba still on the team. Um, Marvin Harrison, if he's single covered, he's open. Uh, we saw that today. I mean, it just throw it up there and he's, he's just going to go up and make a play. And uh, it, it, you look at these three and I'm not, even, again, I'm not even talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba here, but you look at a Buka, he's the guy that can, you know, come out across the field and, and get the ball in space and make something happen after the catch. Harrison can do either of those things. He can either go up, one v one and make a play or he can make a play and get some yards after the catch and Fleming looks like he's also a kind of a a guy who can do both things as well he's he's physical he's probably not quite as fast as I thought he was but he still moves pretty well and he can finish the run at the end of the play like he did on his touchdown yeah absolutely it's just a good group I I think testament to the recruiting I, I think 
it's it's interesting because I remember how big of a deal it was to land these guys, and now to see them actually producing on the football field at the level that like a five star recruit should be producing at, it really puts it into perspective the work that Brian Hartline's doing and then continually doing and seeing this class this year, it's like, well, we've got, we had those guys in the first round. Now you've got these three guys who are incredible. And now you've got three guys with similar recruiting rankings, four guys actually coming in this year in the recruiting class. It's not really, it's not really fair. It's kind of a cheat code, uh, but I'm not mad about it. So yeah. Don't ever leave us, Brian Hartline. And, and you know, if you look a little further down the bench, uh, Jane Ballard might be starting for most of the Big Ten this year. Absolutely. This year he might be starting for, for most of the schools in the Big Ten. But he's the number five guy here. Yeah, and none of these guys were the guys who separated against Notre Dame. Xavier Johnson on the bench is still pretty good. You know, it, it's a group that's – it's just a group that is well-coached, well-organized, and they know what they're doing once they get out there. And then they have the talent to make everything that much better. I'm glad you brought up Xavier Johnson because he is he is all everything. Xavier Johnson out of the backfield today, uh, spelling Travion Henderson with some runs. And yeah. uh, I, you, you love to see it. He just does whatever you need him to do. I mean, if they asked him to play corner, he'd probably go play corner. Hey, wasn't he? Didn't he play corner last year because they were so thin at corner? Like, wasn't he on the roster as a corner? Hey, maybe he should be playing corner now. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, we're not there yet. No, uh, uh, but yeah, I think um, the rest of the stats, Mike Hall. Uh, I think he finished with two and a half sacks. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg kind of filled out the stat sheet again. Uh, Hayden had a nice day on the ground in. Uh, mop-up duty, I'd call it, but also in kind of relief duty. He was more the middle reliever today than he was the final closer of the game. Uh, but seven tackles have a sack for Tommy. I, I don't know. This defense is looking good. Uh, four sacks total, one turnover forced. That's – you haven't been forcing a lot of turnovers, but it was nice to see one today. Almost had two, uh, but 614 yards of total offense for him. Uh, I'm pulling up how much they gave up, 202 net total yards, and then seven rushing yards of defense gave up. So as bad as we can get about one group of positions on the defense, the defense is playing at, at a high level. And I think that's where I'd like to start the analysis of this game. Uh, the defense as a whole, one touchdown in garbage time, one touchdown C.J. Stroud gave him, or Emeka Ibuka, however we want to look at it. Mm-hmm. C.J. threw it. So seven touchdowns on the day for him. That would, I think, tie a school record. (laughs) But uh, it's six points today, and they gave up seven rushing yards. And I, I, I like in my film preview this week, I wrote Michigan State cannot run the football. Like their offensive line can't get a push. Mm -hmm. They can't get any lanes created, and it's not like they have bad running backs. It is just a really awful run game, and. Ohio State did exactly what they should, and seven yards is going to help them get that top 10 total defense that they want. Yeah, and it was negative rushing yards until that that garbage time Michigan State touchdown drive. Yeah, I think in the first half they had negative four yards rushing. Yeah, and at, at one point in the second half they were at minus 11 for a little bit. So it was so, it was a dominating performance 
by the defensive line and the linebackers again are are we're not used to seeing linebacker play the last few years the way it's been this year with Eichenberg and 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 Steel Chambers you know cleaning up everything that the linemen can't get to so and the linemen are doing a good job of not letting blockers get to that next level so it's it's all going well except that one position group which we all know about yeah I, I think I think we can get into that now. I think let's get the bad conversation out of the way, and then we could go back to celebrating, and then we close out the show with our players of the game and okay. favorite moments, and, and on a positive note. Uh, the corners. Uh, I think last year it was bad. I think this year it's been a little worse out there, and Denzel Burke has not lived up to the expectations. Obviously, we saw Cam Brown kind of getting in his own head a little bit. He had a pass interference that was rough, you know, recovering. Once you're behind a man as a corner, it's one of the scariest situations to be in on a football field. So you just kind of do whatever you can. Then he comes back a few plays later and has the horse collar, which was pretty unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denzel Burke had some balls drop in over him. All he has to do is turn his head and their plays. And then, you know, J.K. Johnson, young corner, he's going to make mistakes. Jair Brown giving up the touchdown late, like probably could have, should have had safety help there. But it's been, it's been a big enough sample size to consider this a legitimate problem. You know, Mm -hmm. the first three weeks you're like, hey, all right, new system, new scheme, new coach, this get a little bit better. You know, the last two games, it's like, well, there's been injuries, they haven't been, but we've seen each of these corners play enough to where I'm at the point like. Something needs to get right, or we're going to play a team with some receivers that can do something against us. Yeah, for sure. That's the the concern that I have as well. Michigan State, they got some pretty decent receivers, but Ohio State was in position to make plays. And, and you mentioned Cameron Brown coming back from injury. He's a guy who has had a pretty solid career overall with, with the Buckeyes, and he did not look good today. He was getting letting guys get behind him. He was late catching up and then uh, committing pass interference, or he's in position to make a play and doesn't. We, we've gone back to that old never turning around and, and locating the ball thing that, that happened before Jeff Halfley arrived that – infuriated the entire fan base where it was like guys are there guys are covered and they're still not making plays because they don't know where the ball is but the receiver does and and that was on full display today Denzel Burke you mentioned he's a guy who actually came out of nowhere last year as a young guy and was amazing and he has taken a lot of steps backwards in his second year I don't know if it's the proverbial sophomore slump but what is the the common thread here? If Cam Brown and Denzel Burke have regressed, if the young guys aren't quite ready, um, you know, you have to ask some questions of Tim Walton, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, it is tough. I think when you have players who have been with a guy for multiple seasons, I, I not Denzel Burke, but Cam Brown was with Combs for a few years. It is tough to switch technique over and like kind of get some of those old teachings out of your head and, Mm-hmm. kind of play the new style of football that's being asked of you. Uh, but it, it's like you said, it seems like four out of the last five years, it hasn't really mattered who's been coaching the DBs. The DBs just don't want to turn their head once they get in phase with the man they're covering. And that's the infuriating part is it's like – 
they are half a step away. And not like half a step as in like they're in step with them, but they're half a step away in the process of becoming really great corners again. It's just finally getting to that point. And I think the bye week's going to be great. I, I like I think someone joked that they need Jordan Hancock to be Hancock the superhero at this point because they just can't take it anymore. And it, it's just tough because everywhere else has improved. And honestly, the corners were kind of a strength last year, which is saying a lot for the defense. Mm-hmm. But, man, they have been the one glaring weakness. And, you know, coming into the season, I had no vision of that happening. So – I think with Tim Walton, it's not like he's on the hot seat, but he's definitely being monitored. He's definitely being like, let's see what we can do in the bye week. Fundamentals are important. Let's look at the film and just come back these next few weeks, play with confidence. Yeah, I think that this is a bye week that the defense needs um, and and the health of the team needs. But it it, it was a team defense today that, Again, you can't really knock the tackling. You can't knock the safety play, the defensive line play. The pass rush was good. They got to the quarterback. Even when they didn't sack him, they they hurried him. And, again, it was cornerbacks who were in position to make plays, not making plays. Uh, you mentioned Cam Brown with the, with the horse collar. He's at the sideline. He's already made the play. Third down is over. He's got his team off the field, and then he pulls the guy down by his – inside of his shoulder pads completely unnecessary yeah the other long play uh that they they gave the first down up on the uh the hands to the face that was obviously not on the cornerbacks but again a a a, just a a silly play that doesn't need to be made and kind of for a long time it, it just looked like Michigan State is not going to do anything in this game whatsoever offensively unless we keep helping them like this, and and that's what Ohio State did for a while. And and luckily they were able to overcome most of those mistakes in terms of knocking them back out of field goal range or or um, you know turning them over on downs and things like that. But it was not it was not in. it was a little bit of an annoying first half in that in that yeah, everything the Spartans got was given to them. Yeah, for sure. I, I think annoying is probably the best word because it's not – it's stuff that happens within the lines of football games, but when it happens multiple times consecutively, it gets a little annoying. And I, I will add, this is one thing about corner. Like, they were probably playing well at times. I'm not going to say they probably – because a lot of times sacks are driven by good coverage downfield. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those positions when they make mistakes, it is incredibly amplified because usually – it's a big play, and that that makes it a little harder to evaluate, especially because we don't get the nice all-22 view. We don't get to mm-hmm. see every single play. And I think when we break that down, it's probably not as bad as we think. It's just that initial reaction that we get on this show. That was the one real standout negative we had today. Yeah, and it, and it was mostly gone by, what, the middle of the second quarter? Yeah. Yeah, so I I really do think there is enough there to not think it can't be fixed, but it mm-hmm. definitely is something that needs to be addressed. Yeah, for sure. And I think that this is, a good, like I said, a good time for the bye week. They can work on that for a little while, get a few bodies healthy, and uh, be ready to go when, uh, what was it, Iowa? Yeah, not- it, a good opportunity to get some confidence back. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So uh, what else you got? Uh, let's go back to the positive. Uh, let's get to the defensive line dominating. I, I think when you pointed out that 
Teron Vincent was making snow angels. I think that just goes <laughs> to show what the day was like for that group. Yeah. They were feasting. Uh, I think they, they keep having that trouble where they're not getting a lot of sacks. Uh, four on the day is a good number. I'm mm-hmm. not, but it felt like it could have been an eight or nine sack day at times. But quarterbacks are getting better at getting the ball out quick. Uh, we saw like three or four plays where JT was right there, and then all of a sudden you see a little grab to the collar, pull him away a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that group's really the anchor of everything, and I think it showed again today because what helped the defensive backs? More pressure on Peyton Thorne. What helped the linebackers in the run game? Just eating up as many blocks as you can at the line of scrimmage. My call might be – I, I, he's not a household name nationally yet, but he might be one of the most pivotal defenders on a football team I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just think, and I think Jerron Cage, Teron Vincent, those guys stepped up today. They played better than they have in recent weeks. So you're starting to get the whole unit playing in a very synergized fashion, seven to eight deep. And that's something that I think got me really excited about this performance today. Yeah. The, thing about Mike Hall too was that he's been a little banged up and he didn't he didn't play tons of snaps today but every time he was out there you noticed him absolutely popped off the screen he was he was disruptive he was making you know getting in the backfield he was making Thorne get rid of the ball early he was making him scramble a little bit and throw it away it, it was a good it was a good day for that group and and then also when they brought an extra guy like Chambers or Eichenberg um it it really made life tough for, for Thorne. I think he was, I mean, he didn't, he had to pull the ball down a lot. I think he only had uh, 18 attempts. It was 11 of 18, which is not terrible. 113 yards though. He's, he's checking down and um, one touchdown, one interception. So uh, not a bad day. Uh, Peyton Thorne is a, a returning starter and and he's a veteran guy and he's got, like I said, he's got some pretty good receivers. So if you, you make him have a day like that, you've done pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. And I got the totals here. They had 28 passing plays on the day, uh, 48 total plays. That is not a lot of plays for a team. So four sacks on 28 plays, passing the ball, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good percentage. That's 12% of dropbacks, I believe. I'm not a math guy. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> yeah, I was told there would be no math. <laughs> yeah. yeah is, the other thing we, we didn't even mention, too, is that Ohio State had – a long field almost all day. I think oh, there was only, oh yeah. there only one of the scoring drives was under 75 yards long. And there were, I think two of them were over 90 yards. One was 98. So they, they were having to, they were having to get a lot of plays right to get down the field. And they were able to do that today. Yeah. I think it's funny. Cause we, the, the last week was the exact opposite of that, where they had a ton of short fields to work. That's why it felt like all the stats were so small and then a big reason they were able to have 600 yards of offense was because of that, the long fields consistently. And actually converting third downs, I, I think that was a stat they did really well at. I'm trying to find it here. Yeah, uh, third five down, for 11, uh, but it turned out was good. Yeah, a lot of it that was, was McCord. <laughs> it was good until they didn't really run the offense. Yeah, yeah. When they were when it was McCord ha- handing off uh, into a, a crowded line, that's when it kind of went away. But it was it was certainly a, a really high. I don't know. I'd be interested to know what it was at halftime because they were converting almost everything on third down. Yeah, and then two for two on fourth down. So uh, seven for thirteen on the day converting uh, when you needed to, and then 
it was probably better than that with the starters in the game. So uh, I think that is a good place to end the analysis. I think they ran the ball well. I think they mm-hmm. threw the ball well. Uh, we didn't mention the offensive line today, which is a good sign. They didn't give up a sack until really late into the game. Uh, Kirk Herbstreit gave Paris Johnson Jr. a shout out for taking a guy completely off the screen. <laughs> Love to hear that. Uh, but yeah. pre-snap penalties—they uh, weren't a problem today. Nope, and it was mostly penalties that happened in the game. And you know, once the ball snaps, sometimes stuff just happens. So mm-hmm. those things you address. But hey, it's football; things get a little crazy. Um, all right. Uh, Favorite moments. Uh, what, do, what do you got today, Michael? Well, I'm going to go with uh, it's a tie. It's the two back foot throws that CJ made to Marvin Harrison Jr., one for a touchdown and one for a big play down the sideline. Just, you know, he didn't have room to step into the throw. He was able to throw it off his back foot and, and get enough on it and get enough accuracy to where Marvin could go up, find it, and fight for it. And he made both plays. So uh, those, those were just ridiculous plays yeah i mean when you're like i think herb street said it himself when nfl evaluators are looking at qb game tape those throws might not be significantly crazy from that like from a casual viewer standpoint but a scout's gonna see his left foot off the ground getting hit by his running back who fell over and then him just still dropping a ball right where his receiver can catch it and i I think those are the little things he does so well and I, I, I made a joke to my girlfriend when we were watching the game. I, I, or maybe it was myself. I don't know. These games here are long. <laughs> and I was just like, man, his face, it just never changes. He could throw a touchdown. It's that same blank face. He gets sacked. It's the same blank face. You know, it, it's very – it's a quarterback thing to do that. Like, just mm-hmm. never have that emotion. And um, he's just such a steady player. It didn't feel like he was putting up 400 yards passing basically today. And that's, that's when you know your quarterback's really good when it's just effortless. Yeah. He had uh, more touchdowns than incompletions, uh, you know, and, the, and like I said, the one interception, every, it goes on his record, but I mean, <laughs> if the receiver runs the wrong route, you can look bad like that. Yeah. Hey, yeah. It happens to the, happens <laughs> to the best of them. And that's funny. That's back to back years. C.J. Stroud's had more uh, touchdowns and uh, incompletions against uh, Michigan State. So he's going to finish his career with more touchdowns and incompletions against Michigan State. Nice. I don't think any other quarterback could say that. So that's a pretty incredible stat. Uh, my favorite moment on the day, uh, G. Scott Jr. scoring a touchdown. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things. It's It's a small moment in the bigger picture, but for a player like that, going through the positional transition, you know, working really hard, doing the dirty work as the second tight end at times, to finally get that reward, to get that pay dirt for the transition, just even in that minor sense, you could see how excited he was when he caught the football. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those ones that brings like a smile to your face where you're all stressed out about the performance of the team. It's like, man, you know what? This is what it's about. It's about the players having fun, having these moments. And I think that's why it stood out to me. It was just, it was just a nice play. 
Yeah, and this is a kid who came in as a wide receiver. He changed positions to to get on the field to be able to contribute. And you like to see those kinds of kids rewarded for for doing what the team needs out of them, rather than you know being the prima donna and and saying, you know, I'm not going to be wide receiver here. I'm going to transfer out. And, and he wants to be a Buckeye. He proved that, and today he got his reward. And yeah, I mean, those are the moments you that make fans like it makes you even more of a fan of the guy just because the reward and just seeing it. Uh, so players of the game. All right, I'll start. I got CJ Stroud. Uh, you've got half CJ Stroud. Uh, I, I just think when you have three receivers with the performances they had, I got to give it to the guy dishing it out. The, the mercenary passing he did today. It was just very precise. Um, and they all had big days and the offense kept moving and he made some huge third down throws uh, just, I think QB one, it's the one where he's like, yeah, you just give him the game ball. He earned it. <laughs> yeah. He's, it's hard to argue with that. He was an assassin today and, and I went a little bit like the big 10 and did co-players of the game because I, I just can't, uh, I mean, you look at what Marvin Harrison jr. Did today. And that is the kind of stuff that Michael Thomas does in the NFL now. Uh, it just, I'm covered, but I'm not really. Cause you're here, but I'm still going to make the catch over you. Yeah. When you're uh, doing Pilates to catch a football <laughs> over a defender, uh, you got some talent. Uh, I, I, I don't think so. I was saying to myself, I was like, I don't know if I'm flexible enough to get in that position, let alone jump, get into that position, and then catch a football with someone shoving me. Yeah, and then the strength of his hands to be able to fight off the the guy trying to knock it out while with his arms completely extended and uh, just phenomenal. And again, just three feet. Yeah, three three touchdown games in seven starts is absolutely absurd. This isn't even an air raid offense. Yeah, yeah, it's not. It and today I think that was very much put into perspective. Just the numbers they're putting up passing the football. Uh, I think last week when I was looking up stats for this game, I, I checked Michigan State stats and then it got me curious to see what they were going up against. Ohio State was number one in so many offensive categories, I lost count. And that's <laughs> that's just where they're at right now. They're just clicking and uh I think I miss this in the analysis, but it keeps happening. And I think we talk about it every week on here on most shows. The red zone offense is a player of the game. Like, I don't care how they're doing it. They're perfect every time they get down there. And instead of it being field goals, it's almost always a touchdown once they get inside the 25. Yeah, it's the opposite of trestle ball. You've got, what, 28 red zone trips, 26 touchdowns, two field goals. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 an incredibly efficient number right now and it's not like they've done it against just bad teams they've done it against big 10 opponents they've done it against wisconsin's defense and we saw wisconsin have a bounce back performance today against northwestern we know they're bad this year but Mm -hmm. these are teams that are usually pretty serious challengers notre dame you know they scored when they got down there both times so it's it's just incredibly it's fun to watch. I, I I think sometimes I try to think of the best word to say, but at the end of the day, it's just fun to watch. Yeah, I write the grumpy old Buckeye column, and sometimes it's it's very hard to find anything. You know, it everything is always in the first and second quarter because after that, the game is so out of hand. There's nothing to be really aggravated about, or at least not much. 
Yeah, and then you're just like, man, I'm mad that uh, Travion Henderson didn't run through this gap on this play and didn't score a touchdown. Or Mayan Williams ran for 20 yards here instead of a touchdown. And then that's when you realize, yeah, you know what? We are spoiled as Ohio State fans. Yeah, there's there are a lot of teams out there, a lot of a lot of fans of different college football teams who would who would love to be as annoyed as Ohio State fans are, uh, you know, after a performance like this. It's if you go on social media and you see some of the crazy things that are are being said about. I think there were. I saw one guy talking about how Travion Henderson didn't play very well. Another guy saying that CJ Stroud played with happy feet and, and was taking too long to go through his progressions. And it was like, the dude was 20, what? 21 of 26. 26. Uh, come on. <laughs> it really, it, it, it is really incredible. Cause I, I mean, you could be a Miami football fan right now, either one and be like finding complaints mm-hmm. about everything. That's just a random, random team. Like there's three teams in the country who really can't find much to complain about. And they always find the most to complain about, which is funny to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing too, is, is, is these are human beings playing a sport and human beings when it's this easy, as easy as it is sometimes for Ohio state, it is not, unheard of to sometimes lose a little bit of focus lose that competitive edge urban meyer used to always talk about yeah it's like you know you can you go out there and maybe i mean we've seen guys like chris Olave and, and garrett wilson drop passes before these these are freaks of nature wide receivers and if they are out there against uh, you know northwestern and a have a 35 point lead and they drop a pass nobody you know nobody should get mad at them for that yeah, it does not mean they can't catch a football. That's right. That's right. Uh, all right. Injuries, suspensions, etc. cetera. Uh, Travion Henderson banged up a little bit. Uh, I'm pretty sure Holly Rowe said that it was nothing nothing serious, nothing that should be considered long-term. With the bye week, he'll hop in an ice bath. He'll get his treatment. Uh, I'm just hoping that this is a week they all take serious with their recovery and we come back without those availability report issues because the hardest part is a lot of game time decisions, and that's players trying to get up and playing. And uh, I just think Travion, you know, he probably could have played. I think we said that a little bit earlier on this show, but uh, he, he didn't need to. So he'll be back in two weeks. But the bruise will heal. Get some ice on it. <laughs> yeah. Get Henderson and Mayan Williams healthy. Uh, those guys from Iowa hit pretty hard, so you're going to want those guys both available. Yes. And then I wanted to just give us uh, like a special uh, message, I guess. I don't think Jaden Mangum will be listening to it, but he was a Michigan State player who was carted off. Mm-hmm. Those injuries are a horrible part of a game we love. And I, I will just say it was – it was very nice to see the thumb go up because those injuries, you never know with them. And uh, it's just nice to see. It seems like most of the getting him on the stretcher was precautionary. Getting his headset was precautionary stuff. And it seems like from everything I've seen after it, he's going to be okay after he gets his treatment in the hospital. So that is good to hear. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, the game of football is a tough one. And I just would have felt very disingenuous to not give him some support on our platform here. 
Yeah. Um, and Mel Tucker's had a tough season in terms of injuries, especially to his defense. And that there were, it, it wasn't just him either. There were two other guys later in the game that, that needed to come off and, and the game stopped for them. It was, it was another tough day for the Spartans defense in terms of injuries. So injuries happen in football and it, you never like to see it. You know, you want these kids to be okay, but I'm glad that they exercise caution with anything having to do with the head and neck for these young men. Absolutely. And, you know, it's been in the news a lot lately. So just taking it extra serious, it's never a bad thing. Uh, even today, they took it extra serious. Oklahoma starting quarterback didn't start. And I think that's the way it should be taken. So anything less than that's not good enough. And I'm hoping to see him back on his feet healthy and playing football again when he's ready. Yeah. Uh, what's next for the Buckeyes? Uh, I call it a bye week. I put idle week in here. Some people call it an open week. Uh, no need for the debate. They're not playing, so yeah. you won't see us next Saturday. Uh, the next games versus Iowa at home, October 22nd. Uh, should be a battle of opposing philosophies, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, for sure. This is a, a game that Ohio State will be heavily favored to win. Uh, I think they said something like they put the percentage on the screen today during the game. I think it was something like 98% chance of winning that game. And it's, you know, Iowa's offense has been terrible, but maybe Spencer Petrus can complete some passes against the secondary of Ohio state. If they don't clean some things up uh, in the next uh, week and a half. And, Iowa's defense will come to play. So there's going to be a, probably a little more of Jesse Murko in this game than we're used to seeing. And I'm okay with seeing the future Ray Guy award winner on the field every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, why not? But, yeah, that's it for me uh, from Chris uh, for Michael. I'm signing out. This is Land Grant Holy Land's Instant Recap Podcast, and we will see you guys in two weeks. <laughs>